Welcome to Making the Most of Time with me, Elliot Apple. I'm a financial planner and caregiver. To give you a little background, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer when I was 25. Our world was changed instantly, and it's been a constant state of change ever since. Since then, I've been learning about the intersection of money, health, and loss, personally and professionally. This is a place to explore money, loss, and grief. It's about making the most of time, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially. There are no taboo topics, no question is off limits. These conversations are for people like you, people who are about to lose a significant other, widows, caregivers, and anybody affected by a major health event. I'm glad you're here. So with that, let's start making the most of time. Today, you'll get an opportunity to hear from Lei Den, a financial planner originally from China who now lives in Missouri. We had the opportunity to talk about cultural and generational differences around financial planning, how the pandemic made her and her husband think about what an ideal life actually looks like, what it's like to lose someone, and how to have proactive conversations with loved ones to make sure everything is in order as best as it can prior to a health event. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lei Den. Welcome, Lei Den. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Why don't we start off with maybe just a quick background so other people can get to know you a little bit more? Yeah. Um, so, you know, my name is Leigh and I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm a financial planner as well. A newly minted financial planner as of last November. Um, so I actually came from China. I came to the United States for grad school and just kind of stayed in St. Louis um, ever since. You know, now I'm a you know mom with um, two beautiful children, five and three. So, yeah. I bet those those two kids keep you busy. They do, actually, especially this past couple of years. You know, we've gone through, I feel like things get so blurred. You know, sometimes I think about things that happened in 2020, it either seemed like it was yesterday or it seemed like 10 years ago. I don't know if you get the same feeling, but yeah, definitely interesting times. <laughs> yeah, time definitely feels like it's melting together the last few years. It's hard to distinguish year from year. Right, right, exactly. So Leigh, I'm curious, you said newly minted financial planner. What were you doing prior to this? So yeah, um, so I actually came from investment background. So, you know, I graduated from, I went, came here to WashU um, to pursue my master's in finance. So I was doing very quant stuff, you know. Um, so I graduated and did more of a, I came, went to a small hedge fund. I was a research analyst over there. And then I kind of changed my pivot in my career to more on the kind of broker dealer side, more like due diligence and then asset allocation research, but more on the research finance investment analysis side. And, you know, I was just more exposed to the industry because I'm just always very curious. So I started learning more about, you know, not just finance. Like I always kind of felt a little bit of a disconnect of what my work does to how it affects people like mainstream people's, you know, their own lives. So I always kind of felt a little bit disconnect there. And then I, you know, kind of just stomped upon, you know, um, CFP program. And then we talked more and more about financial planning. So I started digging a little bit more in there, actually pursue CFP program, got my own CFP. And I was just blown away, you know, because I feel like when I was in school, when you were in finance, everybody, they always talk about like investment banking, or asset management, that's the only thing we knew, I knew at the time. So I was just very narrow focused in that. So after I feel like, you know, I 
broaden my my uh, mindset a little bit and try to get myself exposed to different planning topics. I mean, like tax planning and estate planning. These are just you know such fascinating topics. They're so complex, and you can really see the love that I can really see how that impacts people's lives. So, as of last year, finally, you know, end of last year, finally made the jump and uh, became an independent financial planner myself. What prompted the change? What what was finally sort of the needle in the haystack that? that... Yeah, I mean. I don't know. A, a lot of different things. I, I think it's a combination of like my husband is really busy. You know, it definitely was pandemic related. You know, when we talk about the statistics of the gray exodus from workforce. Hello, one of them. Um, so, you know, so I think, you know, as a mom, you know, it's really difficult to kind of have the time, a job, you know, as you can imagine, it was, it was very, very demanding. And um, my husband is an accountant, so his job is not easy, and he's definitely super duper busy. So we ended up, you know, during the pandemic, we had a lot of soul searching, a lot of conversations, you know, with fair amount of time, we were just cooped up under the same roof to talk about our lives. Um, so I feel like those conversations really prompted then what is the ideal life for us? What do we want in life, you know? Do we want to make a lot of money and just not being able to even kiss our kids goodnight? You know, is that the life we want or or is there something different out there? And I think that really kind of helped us understand ourselves that, you know, we we definitely want to provide our kids a comfortable life. We like, you know, the nice things, too. But at the same time, it's not worth sacrificing all those precious moments with our kids. You know, we want to be there for them. We want to be at their first everything. We want to, you know. Um, go to all of the soccer games that they play, soccer practices. You know, we want to be there for them. And so so really what can realistically happen is that's also, you know, just that's a, one of the biggest drivers, I would say, you know. So and then trying to. So at that time, actually, I talked to some other people about this. I was like, what should I do? I even thought about, you know, having a TikTok account. I was like, OK, I'm going to quit my job and have a TikTok account. <laughs> So, you know, I just didn't know. So I, I had to go through a lot of soul searching and kind of thinking about um, more soul searching and think about, okay, what do I know? What do I know so far? I know investments. That's something I know for certain. I know I, what do I like? I like, you know, when I was even in a big corporate, I loved all of those quote unquote extracurriculum activities. I was in a lot of committees. I loved, you know, making connection with people. I just loved, you know, and, and I loved like advocating for, you know, the, you know, like Asian employees and Asian clients and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? That sounds like a financial planner to me. I have some of the expertise and I can fill in more of the gap, you know, through this great network, you know, Elliot, you included the great network of advisors that I get to know along the way. Um, a lot of like different programs, CFP, NAPFA, and then, you know, and I enjoy, I love talking to people. And I was joking with my husband, like now a lot of my job is just talking to people and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those, it's wonderful. You found a good spot to be. And I I feel like a lot of people are having those conversations during the pandemic already have it or will have it about what, what is important in life. And, you know, part of the podcast name, making the most of time is, how do you make the most of time financially, spiritually, emotionally? And, you know, you hit on a lot of good things there on kids' soccer practices and just being present in their lives. So kudos to you and your husband for, for 
making that change. It's not easy. It's not easy. As you know, <laughs> it's definitely not easy. Yeah, but it's, it's worth it. So far, you know, I'm really feeling, you know, even my husband, he can kind of observe me from the outside. It's like, you just seem so much happier. You smile a lot more. You're sighing a lot less. So, you know, it's good for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and you hit on it a little bit earlier, but I'd like to explore it a little bit more. You, you talked about immigration and um, focusing on certain clients. And we we're talking before the podcast. I, I'd like to hear more about sort of how you set up your firm and what, what you're trying to do with it, who you're trying to focus on. Yeah. So I actually joined a wonderful RIA. Um, so I'm part of a firm called Core Planning. And, you know, some, uh, I stumbled upon this firm and I, you know, kind of saw this ad on LinkedIn and I was like, oh, it seems too good to be true. And we went through months and months of conversation. I was like, wow, this is great. You know, with people like it's people like you and I. So I decided to join them, you know, really in-depth conversation. We want to do like, you know, really kind of like what we aim to do is just to provide good service, give good vibes to the world, you know, and then in return, you know you will always be compensated if that's, you know, what to do. So, um, so I just joined that. But for me, I am a little bit different. You know, we're in the Midwest. So it's not like we have such a huge immigrant population. But for me, I've gone through this journey myself. Coming over here, you know, I grew up in China. And, you know, while, you know, I came here while into my adulthood. And I was like, you know, this is so different. I did not know that in China, there's not that many different retirement accounts, the ABCs, the one, two, threes of the retirement accounts, it was non-existent. You know, it was very different, like structurally, you know, for your retirement. And for me, all of, you know, for me really was my mom paid for my college, my grad school education. So I was expected, so I'm her retirement plan. So that's how it works, you know, so but so coming over here, things are very different. So you have the 401k IRAs and all of that stuff. So for me, even though I was in finance, I was in investments for so long, but I feel like I really, really started to understand the topics like asset location, like, you know, the tax advantage of all of this stuff really just from a couple of years ago. So I just feel like, and I... Looking back at it, I was just thinking, you know, I and I was in finance. And what about for people that are not in finance, you know, and I was an employee now, you know, uh, now a little bit different. But there, you know, as you know, like for the Asian population, there's um, a lot of people like they have their small business owners. So their situation probably is a little bit more complex. So, you know, I just feel like there are a lot of opportunities for me to help. So that's kind of my focus right now. And then, you know. So more my focus right now is just really provide these, I think, I guess, education and really provide, you know, some of the baseline knowledge of what financial plan really is. I feel like, you know, it's still, as we kind of look at the landscape, you know, fee-only planning is still comprehensive financial planning is still a relatively small percentage of what the financial services industry is doing. So, you know, so, you know, when you, when you're talking about a, um, a group that, you know, that may or may not have some language barrier because there's certain subset, like with maybe first generation immigrants, they like to stay within the Chinese community, or like for me, Chinese community, they like to stay within the Chinese community. So there is kind of a language barrier or, or hesitance. So there's, you know, even less of education um, in that regard. So that's kind of what I'm looking to provide there. Yeah. 
Okay. And you mentioned sort of one of the main drivers, one of the main things that you're trying to do is education. And you mentioned some differences between coming from China and the retirement system here. Right. One, one being the types of accounts and the main accounts and you being a retirement plan for your mom. Why, I'm curious if there's other sort of cultural differences or just other differences that exist in that system that you've you're focused on with with clients. Yeah, um, some of them is really also awareness. One of the things is, you know, tax exists everywhere. So people are like very, very tax sensitive. Um, And one of the things I think it's kind of interesting to talk about is estate planning because it's a little bit, it could be morbid. Um, you know, so sometimes, you know, like the culture, when we talk, my mom, sometimes still, I'll go back home, she will slap my hands or she will give me a stern look when I say something that's unlucky, that seems unlucky or seems that's just not bringing good, uh, omen. Um, so, so she will like, you know, she will give me a stern look or just like a pinch me a little bit, but that's, that's <laughs> so, because we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about death. We don't like to talk about people being sick. So I think that's one of the things that's also kind of kept people from planning for that area. So I actually spent a lot of time educating. First of all, is on, you know, retirement. Second of all is, you know, so you have this wonderful system in, quote unquote, system in China. Um where the children are their retirement plan for the the parents. But sometimes, you know, like when the children, if it depends on what they end up doing, you know, their lives, you know, we all know like life through just unexpected twists and turns, you know, so there might not, it might not work out the way you want it to be. So, so that's one of them. And so, uh, another one is just on estate planning, just kind of bring these morbid, quote unquote, morbid conversations forward talk about them um because you know it were especially for first gen immigrants they came here all of their family are back in china and if they want to you know say if anything were to happen to them what happens to their children if there's no other family here so that's a very serious outcome if you think about it so once i put it that way people are like oh yeah i definitely need to do that so um and so that's the second thing. And then the third thing is planning for their family. So, so for example, some of us came here, you know, so we might still have family back in China. Like my mother, she's still in China. So, um, you know, she's visiting with us, which is really nice. We got to spend this wonderful time together. But it's really, it's really unusual. So, you know, in the future, I do want to, especially, you know, especially as she gets older, I do want her to be by my side. I want to be able to be with her, you know, as she, you know, grows into her golden ages. Um, So that's another thing, like there's cost associated with that, right? There's cost and there's a lot of different things, you know, to think about. Um, So that's also another thing I'm trying to talk about is for the rest of their family. You know, what kind of a plan, what kind of plan do you have for them? for your parents you know some parents don't want to come here they have their whole social network and their friends family you know they might not want to come here but if you do these are several things that you know need to kind of start thinking about that already so yeah so all kinds of different things um you know a little bit mostly i would say 80 percent is still similar but there are 20 percent of pretty specific conversations that we're having Okay. And when you raise these conversations, are are people pretty 
open to them? Do you have to bring them up multiple times? Like, I, I'm just thinking about your mom who sort of shut down the conversation when you bring up any of these topics. How are other people responding to them? I, you know, so it's funny because I mostly talk to people in my generation. So they're actually more, um, they're actually more receptive to things like that. Um, so, you know, so I haven't, so they actually kind of agree with me that, you know, they're like, I will talk to my mom, you know, I will talk to my dad or my aunt, uncle, grandparents to get them on board. So I think my generation is a little bit different now. Um, but yeah, but it is a, sometimes it is a tough conversation because you don't want to just meet the first, meet someone the first time I say, Hey, so what if you, you know, <laughs> what if something happened to you? Um, but yeah, but sometimes it does require a couple of conversations. Um, but what I'm trying to do, but, but I, you know, I can't have all of this conversation with every single person. Right. So what I'm trying to do is also to leverage some social platforms. You know, there are some like, um, uh, websites, some places like, you know, different social platforms, for, for example, WeChat is a huge platform in the Chinese community. So leverage that also to kind of just, you know, do things at higher scale, for example, writing articles, you know, just writing posts and things like that to kind of get that point across without, first of all, like without having a face-to-face -face conversation already, but someone would come to me already have this baseline understanding, um, that way we'll talk about it. And second of all is that I can do this and almost like I talk to more people at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. I, leveraging other platforms is nice to have them come in a little bit warmer, right. not completely cold and hearing this for the first time, I bet. Right, 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 exactly. And so when you're having these conversations, let, let's say you've talked to someone, you mentioned, you know, some people come to the U.S., other people have family structures in China. What do you see as common outcomes? What, what choices are people making? Yeah, so, you know, some of them, um, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, the, the answer is I want to go back. You know, my, my parents really don't want to come to China, so I want to go back to stay with them. Um, so, you know, that's one outcome, not, not a whole lot. A lot of them is that, especially people, I talk to a lot of people like in my age group kind of form this connection from just being a mother. Um, a lot of people in my age, you know, they, they, they want to stay. And so, you know, so they want to plan out. So sometimes with the pandemic, I think it give people a little bit of renewed sense of how should we think about this because before they can say you know i'll just fly a lot i'll just fly back and forth a lot to go see them to bring the kids to you know to hang out with their grandparents but i think with the pandemic people are starting questioning a little bit oh i don't know you know because it's not like i can do that so easily because right now you know going back to china is such a huge issue um, so, so yeah, so I feel like that's, people are starting thinking about that a little bit differently. Um, and a lot of people, they do, they want to, you know, be, actually, I just talked to someone, a prospect around my area, you know, they're talking about their parents are, you know, getting older and, you know, they just, they won't be able to, and a lot of us, we are, you know, um, the only child. So it's on us, you know, it's on us to take care of them. So they do want to bring them over. So I would say probably bring bring their parents over is the majority. Um, and then you do have like probably 30%. They say that, you know, they, they just, they will just travel back and forth. And then the rest of them just want to probably they end up, you know, going back home. Wow. 
That's a lot of traveling back and forth. That's a lot. 24 hours. <laughs> Just one way. I know. I know. Wow. Um, and so with the family structure, we were talking a little bit before this recording about how you do caregiving. You know, one, if you're an only child or with a family structure, how do you do that? Um, you know, talk to me. We were talking a little bit about loss and um people getting sick in families. How, how have your fa- how's your family handled that in the past? Yeah, it's tough, you know. So I feel like when you mentioned that you want to do this podcast, the first thing that kind of jumps to me it was just my own personal experience, you know. So as my, my mother's generation, the generation of, you know, before me, they generally have siblings. So it's a little bit different. But, you know, so... I also, with loss, you know, I have a lot of, I think it's, it's also like sometimes people don't really understand how to kind of take care of themselves, you know, like people was, you know, like, like, a you know, tens of like a decades ago, people would smoke and think that's, you know, like a really an okay thing to do. So a lot of that still exists. Um, so, you know, my own, my own grandparents, they passed away when I was pretty young. So I've kind of witnessed through from a pretty young age, like how draining it is, you know, to not just for you see them suffer and you feel so terribly for them. But at the same time, you know, it's also it comes down to like you have to preserve a little bit of yourself, too. Um, So it's just such a tough, tough, you know, line to walk. Um, yeah, and then I, I can't even imagine nowadays, fortunately, knock on wood, I haven't had to do a lot of that, you know, like taking care of someone that's really, really like taking care of someone that's really, really sick, and especially my own mother. But yeah, but, but I, I just can't imagine because it's not like you have siblings you can rotate through. That's, you know, you know, I feel like that, you know, like my mother's health and well-being, you know, for me is solely my responsibility, you know. So, like, it's her responsibility, too. But when it comes to the time, if anything were to happen, it was solely my responsibility. So, obviously, I kind of start to think about what should I do in case that happens. I'm a planner, you know. I'm a financial planner and a planner in general. Um, I plan for everything in life. So, if that were to happen, what should I do? What kind of options do I have? So, you know, so just, it's a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I might have steered away from your question. Don't know if I answered your question there. It does. It is a lot. I'm curious as a planner, you know, what, what have you thought about? Yeah. So, so, you know, obviously one of the things, you know, after bringing her over is health insurance, you know, so first health insurance, because one of the things that's good about being in China is that you don't really pay that much for medicine, like in a general health checkup and things like that. It's generally pretty accessible. You don't need to pay a lot or break your bank. Um, so, so it's very different here. So the first, first thing first is definitely getting the health insurance. And then, you know, also looking into, depends on her age, when she comes over, we're still planning. Um, we don't know, we, we don't know when or if yet. Um, but it's definitely, you know, also, you know, long-term care insurance, any kind of like, you know, we should be able to plan for, you know, things that we can do, you know, to help her qualify for Social Security. If she end up being my dependent, you know, that automatically give her a little bit, you know, of uh, benefit. And um, just, yeah, so what, and also if, if, if anything were to happen to me, 
you know, who's going to take care of her, you know? So it's not just like for her, something happens to her, but also something happens to me. Um, so these are some of the tools that I have thought about to kind of help her. But I'm also curious, since this is, you know, really your expertise, like how, how are you, how do you go about it if you were in my shoes? You know, I, it's always a tough question, right, about what, what you do. And we can always plan for a perfect scenario, but it, the perfect scenario is smash the moment anything happens health-wise because it never happens how you envision it, right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, it, you know, it's important to plan. I'm a planner myself and very conservative by nature with, you know, wanting a plan A, B, and C. But I have found, you know, you can have plan A, B, and C and, at the end of the day, you're usually on plan X or something much farther down in the alphabet. Um, but it, it's worthwhile planning. And I think more than anything, just having those conversations with your loved ones in advance to figure out and get their voice while they can still give it. You know, there may be an opportunity in, in the future where you don't have that chance. Right. Um, so I, I, I'm curious, have you talked about any of this with your mom? Have you been successful in that? Have you tried it? The <laughs> futile effort? Uh, tell me more. Right. That's a whole can of worms. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I did. I tried. I tried to. Um, so it also depends on your relationship with the person. I have always been kind of a rebellion. So sometimes I... She's used to it now, uh, for better or worse, that I'm just really straightforward. Um, so one of the things we did talk about, you know, going back to estate planning is when we go through all of the different items, I was like, mom, 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 today I did my estate plan. And we, I'm so excited because, you know, I know what happens if I die. I know what happens if my husband dies. I know what happens if we both died. And then she's just like, oh, what are you talking about? You know, why do you do that to yourselves? But, you know, so after she has a little bit more time to process, um, to really think about, about, you know, to really think about it, we'll just, you know, kind of let it cool, let it sit there for a little bit. And after a couple months, we kind of go back and revisit like, hey, remember last time I kind of was talking to you about it? Obviously, we don't want any of that to happen. But think of your children, think of your grandchildren. I feel like that is always a good way to kind of bring up this topic. Wouldn't you want the best for your children? Wouldn't you want the best for your grandchildren? You don't want them to go through more distress like they're already if something were to happen to you or me they were already in enough distress already you wouldn't want to put this on top of them too right wouldn't it be nice if we just take care of it now so after that you know she's my own mother so i had the luxury of just waiting a couple months and then revisit so after that she kind of get the sense she likes it she thinks it makes sense doesn't mean that she wants to talk about it ever again. Um, but, you know, she she knows that. I think it gives us, her a sense of comfort, too, that actually we have thought about this, you know. So especially I was really little, you know, when my grandparents passed away, you know. So she was in her 30s, 40s at the time. And, you know, so she has, you know, as much as I have gone through them myself, she has gone through it more. You know, she actually took care of them, had to, you know, like watch them getting, you know, their situation getting worse and worse by day. So I think especially with that experience, um, I think she's much more receptive to that now. Yeah. Has she talked much about what it was like caring for her parents, your grandparents and what that just what that experience was like and how it impacted her? Yeah, it's just so many different dimensions. 
Um, you know, so she is, so for her, obviously that kind of keeps her, like we talk about the work-life balance, right? Like, and then that comes first, you know, to her, you know, my, my parents comes first, obviously. So there's a lot of strain on, you know, so she has to managing, manage her. She has a small business too. She had a small business at the time, manage the small business at the same time, have to take care of my kids. And I was little and I probably was never an easy child to take care of. So, so that is a lot on one person for one person to handle. And at the time, it's not like I'm, I'm so, it's so wonderful that I'm, you know, grateful every day. My husband is such a wonderful husband and father that he, you know, really takes, you know, helped me take care of my family too. But, you know, at that time, we're, we're talking about like 20, 25, you know, something years ago. Um, at the time, you know, she was very much on her own. You know, she was very much doing all of that on her own and have to manage things with my father. They ended up getting divorced, but, you know, so have to manage all of that. So it was, you know, imagine all of that weight on one person's shoulder. I don't know if you have watched Encanto, but it was exactly like, I think it was Luisa. It was exactly like that song, you know, the pressure. You know, the, 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 you know, there's, you never know when it will happen. There's a straw that will break the camel's back. Um, you have, you know, you're exhausted and there's financial strain because at the time cancer treatment is, it, cancer treatment is prohibitively expensive anywhere in the world. So she was now, we came from pretty humble beginnings, you know, so we did not have a lot of money. So at the time it's also a financial strain. We had to shoulder all of that cost ourselves. Obviously, that also cost strain because we have to pitch in to like treat um, my grandparents. That goes back to retirement plan, all the healthcare, all of the stuff. So we had to like my mom had to pitch in. So that also kind of cost strain on the marriage because it was a lot of money too. Um, so it was just a lot of different dimensions. That was just such a traumatic experience, and it's it's not and it's not like a. Um, Whenever you have something, you know, traumatic happen to you, it's always, you know, terrible. But if you have something that's kind of acute that happens, like it hits you in the face and you have to deal with the aftermath, but cancer is a whole different animal. You know, you see that play out over years and you have so many emotional ups and downs, you know, so one day my grandfather will be a little bit better and everybody that the whole mood in the household just, you know, lighter it just seems lighter and another day you found out like it transferred somewhere else and it's just you're constantly being tortured you know you're just like under constant torture of how this is progressing and I don't think you know and I don't think it ever like she ever really gotten over that she still keeps talking to me about how now our situation is definitely a lot better you know one of the things I really want to work hard is also like give her a better life um, so she just keeps talking about, Hey, you know, I wish your grandparents could have lived to see this day. I wish, you know, you know, so like one of the biggest thing is for her is like, so I have the means, but I cannot take care of them anymore. So that was one of the things, you know, that really like impacted her psychologically too. So yeah, you never get over the grief. I feel like you manage it better, but you really never get over it. Yeah, it's there. I, I saw this graphic one time that I really liked, and basically it was the circle expanding around the grief, and the grief stayed the same size. And I, I feel like that's a good 
good way to look at grief is the grief doesn't go away, but the rest of life kind of builds on itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's a good way to, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. So for her, her life is bigger now, you know, she has grandkids, she has, um, you know, more, she's finding more of herself. You know, she was the oldest of the siblings, always serving someone else before herself. Um, and my, my uncles and my aunts, and it, it was, it was also a public health issue with happy, you know, so, you know, so it's, so I think a lot of my family, they just kind of got exposed to it. And then they are fortunately not kind of well, pretty healthy at this point, but, you know, just except for with the exception with my uncle. Um, but, you know, but still like, that's one of the things that think about, she thinks about the most is health, health, you know? So I think there was a saying that, you know, healthy people want a million things, but unhealthy people, people only want one. So, you know, so I feel like that also changed just the whole mindset around wealth, around what is wealth, what is life, you know, what's the most important things in life. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really, I, I like that quote or that phrase. It, it really puts things into perspective and brings out what's important. Right. Yeah. So fortunately, she's pretty healthy. And then, you know, and I'm really glad that we're, especially after all of that, it's really traumatic for her too. So we were able to kind of, I don't know how I got through to her, but, you know, we're also doing some therapy with, you know, for her. So just to change, you know, like, cause it's a traumatic, you know, I don't know if she really fully processed it. She also ended up getting uh, divorced from my dad, which was very, you know, probably should have happened a long time ago. So, you know, so when we define health, you know, so it's not just like psychological health, right? It's also like, you know, oh, sorry, it's not just physical health. It's also psychological health. So, so yeah, so there's, there's, yeah, so there's definitely a lot. I'm curious. I want to go back a little bit. I, I, I liked the conversation we had and I didn't want to throw us off of it. Um, but I want to go back to what we were talking about with your mom and talking about your own estate planning and then bringing it up to her as sort of a, a soft introduction. And, and I wanted to highlight that way because that's a common question that I get is how do you have these conversations with parents, with grandparents, with brothers and sisters, with whoever, right? They're, they're really tough conversations to have. And I've seen a lot of success with people who have done their own planning and just sort of casually mentioned that in conversation like you did. And so I just, I wanted to highlight that as a very, very effective way to enter the conversation as opposed to just sitting down one day and going, Hey mom, Hey dad, you're going to die one day. You know, <laughs> you know, we should have a conversation about that. Right. right. Obviously <laughs> most people aren't going to be that blunt, but that's essentially what it's going to feel like. I think for most people. Um, so I, that's just a great way to introduce it. And I wanted to highlight that. Are there other things that you've done along those lines that you've, you found successful with her? Yeah. Um, no, thank you for that. Cause one of the things I find that is also, um, your happiness, your own happiness, how you, how you perceive it by yourself is really contagious. So I was exploding with joy, like mom, I'm going to die. And my kids are going to be fine. <laughs> you know? So it was, it was, uh, for me, it was reassuring. So it was a happy thing for me. So I feel like, you know, once, you know, so kind of how you frame it, if you're like a really solemn and just like, Hey, 
I really want to talk about this with you. I, I, everybody might be a little bit different. Somebody else might completely backfire, you know. So, um, so that's kind of how I approach it too. Just kind of talk about it with a positive mindset going in instead of negative mindset. Like, let's think a little bit less about our own existence, but think more as you know the benefits to our kids. Kind of frame it that way. So you're doing this because you're a wonderful parent that you care about your children's future, you know, um, that you care about how they, um, when, if there's something, you know, if there's something going on with them, you definitely want to the best. You do not want them to go through the same thing. And, and, um, you know, like with my mom also, it's like, remember how you go through that and you're trying to deal with all of different things and then some, you know, this way, if that were to happen, and I am, you know, and I hope that never does, but if it were to happen, will make things like make life a lot easier for everyone. So that was, yeah, that's also kind of just going in the kind of how we frame it, frame it as a positive thing and frame it as a benefit to, you know, our loved ones instead of as someone that's so solemn, that's so, um, you know, that's, that's so negative. Yeah. Yeah, well said. The the energy you bring to the room is going to count for a lot. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you have grandkids, that's a great guilt trip to get someone to <laughs> the table. Right? Yes. <laughs> I hate to do that, but sometimes you got to. <laughs> you do. I mean, grandparents love their grandchildren, so they're. I feel like they will show up for that. Right. They, they absolutely will. Well, good. I, I appreciate you sharing more about that way. I, I know when we initially started the conversation, you wanted to talk a little bit about the value of financial planning as well. Should we shift gears towards that? Yeah, if you if you can, that'll be great. Because, you know, really, I feel like I've talked too much already. And I really want to hear from you, you know, just you, especially when I kind of get to know you, I understood your niche. And I was like, I wish we had that 20 years ago, you know, so talk a little bit, if you can talk a little bit about how you've helped your clients, kind of the emotional journey they've gone through. And, you know, so if we can kind of talk about that, you know, the, especially for people in grief or going through or post grief or whatnot, like how do you, what, what is the value that you see and how do you, how do you typically help them? That'll be great. It's tough. Yeah, we were having this conversation the other day. I think it's tough to quantify value. Um, I think it's one of those things when you're going through grief, loss, change, transformation, whatever you want to call it, it, it's all felt, right? We, a lot of us like to think and, you know, we're sort of up here in our heads, but it really, it comes down to the heart and sort of what you're feeling during those moments. And truth is when you're grieving, most of the time, it just feels lousy. Yeah just lousy. Um, And, you know, for people who've lost someone, brain fog is huge. It's one of those things that a lot of people don't expect to go through that. They think, hey, maybe I'll be different or they've never heard about it. And, um, you know, brain fog, when when you're grieving, it just, your brain doesn't function properly. It just sort of goes into a shutdown mode. Things that you knew how to do before, you don't quite know how to do, or you just feel stuck. Um, it feels like, hey, I should be able to organize these bills and pay these bills. I did it before. But then maybe at some point you're not able to pay the bills. And it's not that you can't, you just, for whatever reason, brain fog sets in and you're not doing it anymore. Um, you're in a rut. You're just, yeah. Yeah, a really deep rut. And oftentimes a rut that lasts 
a long time. I mean, it's not a quick process to get out of that. And so I think, you know, the value of financial planning during those times is just taking a pause more than anything and not making any major decisions. I'm not saying you can't make major decisions that everybody grieves differently. And so um, there's some people who are, are ready to move on. I mean, if you've been caring for a significant other for a decade um, and they haven't been themselves because of a disease, you've been grieving the entire time. It's a different form of grief at the end when they pass away, but you're much more likely to move on and, um, you know, sort of change the life that you're living as opposed to someone who spouse who gets in a car wreck and they die instantly, right? They haven't had time to process or to grieve. And so, um, it's just, you approach it differently and each person's going to have a different experience, even if both people have experienced the same thing. Um, so I think the value is just sort of taking a pause and deciding what, what is important that comes next and making sure the immediate things get done that actually have to get done. And the other stuff that's not so important doesn't have to get done. Because when you're grieving, unfortunately, when someone passes away, there's a lot of paperwork. I mean, there's, there's a ton of administrative stuff. You order a bunch of copies of the death certificate and everything else. And um, it feels like all of it might be important or it's tough to prioritize. And it, it's not all important all at once. You can sort of make a plan to go through that and figure out what actually needs to be done today, what can be done a month from now, what can happen a year from now. So just laying out that plan and working through it. Yeah. And I love the point that make that makes so much sense. And I love the point that you bring up that not everybody grieves the same way because there's, you know, if you take care of someone that's chronically ill for a long time, that there's, there's some relief there. There's grief, there's some relief, yeah. and there's the guilt of feeling the relief on top of that too. It's very, it's com- a complex emotion. They're probably stuck in their own mind for a long time. So, and then a big, you know, a big help from the, with the financial planner is to be there for them, be the rational person to, you know, help them process a lot of things when they, when they take their much needed time to, to process their emotions. It's very complex. And, and you said it perfectly, Leigh, but, and I'm not going to try to repeat it because I think you said it better than I'd be able to say it, but the, the idea that there is that relief there, and that's, that's not talked about in our society. People aren't willing to say, Hey, I'm relieved in a way that they're not suffering anymore. And that, I can also live my life, not a hundred percent as a caregiver. And that's, that's a tough thing to say out loud because a lot of people who haven't been in those shoes, is it, they aren't going to understand. Yeah, exactly. So I did, sorry, I'm a little bit distracted because my little, um, so we got COVID, you know, a notice from my son's room. So now I got a little helper, co, you know, Hello. co-guest joining us. <laughs> <laughs> The more the merrier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, yeah, so, you know, as we, uh, it's a nice break in the, in the sentiment that, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there, there is definitely so much. And then what do you see with, you know, so say if, you know, um, how do you approach people that are in the middle of taking some care of someone differently compared to for someone that's already gone through that process that they, they, they kind of are ready to start their own life and start focusing on themselves for the first time, you know, in forever. 
do you kind of approach these conversations differently? I'll say yes, but at the end of the day, you just meet people where they are, wherever that is. Um, and it, it's different for each person. So I, I'm big into life planning. So if you've ever heard of the Kinder Institute, um, that I would research it. It's It really focuses on what do you, what's important in life, going back to the idea of you know, what, what do you want? What are the things you want to be doing? How do you want to structure your day? How do you want to structure your year? Um, Cause we don't, a lot of people don't make time for those conversations. We get sort of on autopilot and particularly for people facing some sort of health situation, you're just doing your best to make it through the day. You don't really come up for air that often to focus on what's important and having the mental capacity and the brain space to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you find, do you have any, like, is it okay for you to share some stories, um, you know, like for how you help them to kind of help, you know, put this into the real life? Yeah, I won't go into specific stories just because it, it gets close to testimonials. And I, I know I'm not supposed to talk about that. But um, it, for me, it's a, it's just asking a lot of questions and listening and giving people the space to to explore that. Um, because again, we don't, we don't make the space for it. And if we do, it, it's rare. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's probably a good thing for them to, to find that. I wouldn't say it's like therapy, but it's a little bit like that, right? Like, would you, would you say that's a little bit, there's a little bit similarity for them to kind of just like sit down, um, and kind of like focus on their, you know, it's, it's part of their life it's their financial life, but it's, you know, to kind of explore that and focus on that themselves. So my understanding, and I am by no means an expert here, is therapy is often backwards looking and trying to figure out sort of why something is the way it is or, you know, how to change something that happened in the past going forward. And I, I see life planning and a lot of financial planning is where are we today and where do we want to be in the future and how do we go about doing that effectively? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people might, call it something close to therapy. In my opinion, it's not. I mean, the therapy that I've been through is very much different than what I do on the financial planning side, but it can, I will say it can feel therapeutic to talk about it because you don't get to talk about it often. And it's, it's really important stuff. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm, that's the word I'm looking for. You know, on how is the therapeutic instead of therapy, it's therapeutic. Well, good. I want to wrap it up here. Um, and there's one question I like to ask people at the end and that is, what is one act of kindness that has been transformational in your life? Wow, there's so many, I feel like. Um, it's, you know, it's really hard to pinpoint. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a long-winded answer, as, as I do often. <laughs> Since I, I just, I've always had a hard time coming up with my favorite thing. I've never had a favorite color, a favorite movie, or a favorite song, because there are a lot of things I like a lot. Um, so, you know, I can't think of really like one thing, but I would say just the more recent ones. Um, and I'm not like by no means just doing this to drum anyone up, but, you know, just connecting with you, connecting with the rest of the planners in the independent space. Um, you know, I, I've just gotten so much, um, that kind of changed my mindset because before I was almost, I, you know, go through my work, you know, at, you know, at one point, I almost feel like I'm a little bit guarded. Um, but, you know, just getting to know everyone in this space, they're so open to share. 
really transparent, really just helping me with no zero ulterior motive, um, you know, just really kind of opened me up to give back and do the same thing too. So yeah, therapeutic, right? Like we're, if we're focusing on the word therapeutic, I feel like that really helped me to, I feel like myself again. I feel like I am me again. You know, I feel like I can, I don't have to think too much with so much calculation going in the back of my head. I can just be, be generous. I can just be helpful. Um, so that is one of the things I really, really appreciate it. You know, you're on Twitter, on the XY network, you know, other people, you know, so yeah, just that's one of the things lately that I felt the most. Good. I'm glad you're feeling more like yourself. And I, you know, the advisor community is amazing. There's definitely an abundance mentality there and everybody's trying to help everybody. So I, I'm glad you're connected into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, thank you so much for having me here. I really enjoyed our chat today. Of course. Thanks for joining, Lai. Thank you. Elliot Apple is an investment advisor representative of Kindness Financial Planning, LLC. However, in hosting this podcast, Elliot is not acting as an investment advisor representative individually or on behalf of Kindness Financial Planning. The information and opinions in this podcast are for general, informational, and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of publication, and such opinions are subject to change. No representation is made as to the completeness or accuracy of the information presented. Any past performance referenced is historical and no guarantee of future results. All indices referenced are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. All investments involve a certain level of risk. You should carefully consider if an investment is suitable for you before making an investment. Please consult your legal, financial, and other professionals to determine what may be appropriate for you.